0: The following is a rebroadcast of the March 21, 2016 Hot Topic where it was a regulatory update with a special guest Don Lamp of Morrison & Foster.
1: Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'.
0: So good to have you with us, everybody. It is March 21st. We say that for all of those of you who are logging in and downloading this podcast, you know which program you're listening to. Again, we appreciate you joining us. For those of you that are dialing in, looking like people dialing in from all over the country, appreciate so much you being here as a part of this podcast. Again, we're going to be talking today about a little bit of, we're going to get some insights from inside the Beltway on the CFPB's priorities for mortgage lending and mortgage servicing in 2016 and beyond. Our special guest talking on this topic is Don Lamp, attorney with Morrison Enforcer, and we're excited to have him. Don and I did a a webinar here recently together, and I've known Don and talked, uh, known of Don, uh, but he and I presented together on a Compliance Ease webinar. It was really excellent. I just appreciate the fact that Don has the background that he does and is so much in the background of everything, he is the, probably the number one attorney in the United States that's advising our technology, com- mortgage technology companies, on how to wa- go through the waters that we're dealing with as it relates to the regulatory side. So we have a lot of great attorneys on here, and Don's, uh, and Don is one of those great attorneys, but he has special focus is really working with our tech companies. So with that, Don, it's good to have you join the the, the program today. Appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be here, friend.
2: David, I really appreciate the invitation and uh, always appreciate the service that you provide to this industry and the leadership, and it's great to be on your program today.
0: Well, you're providing a lot of that leadership. In fact, one of the things that I was really enjoyed doing was the recent webinar that John Vong and the folks there at Ease put together, and you and I presented there together. And I think people can still go out and download that if they go to uh, Compliance Ease's website. You gave out a lot of really good information there. But I, Joe and I really want to get in and interview you and in talking about this. And uh, we the last KPI uh, that we had, the key performance indicator that John Mayneal talked about at Motivity. Has- had to do with TRID, and uh, let's get right into talking about TRID and the guidance or the lack thereof that we're receiving from CFPB. When you look at what we're seeing as it relates to guidance um, you know, it, on TRID, it is considered non-binding, and that is it's not legally binding to the CFPB or to the courts. So do you expect this change any, to change anytime soon? Is CFPB ever going to issue something that makes people feel like they're standing on firm ground? when it comes to guidance?
2: I think the near-term answer, and Paul mentioned this, is no. In fact, the CFPB has another webinar coming up, and these webinars have been helpful, coming up, I think, on the 24th of March. To be fair, the CFPB, they've provided a great deal of guidance to the industry, both in the website and through its webinars. But TRID, more than anything, the devil is in the details. And there's exactly. still a good deal of nitty-gritty questions that that haven't been answered that we really would like more guidance on. And that's where, that's where it stands today.
0: Well, when you look at the nitty-gritty, and I think you say the devil's in the details, uh, the lawsuits are in the details, the litigation's in the details. And I think that's where the lack of that guidance really is challenging people. So how does CFPB's approach to the industry's guidance for TRID and now they're regulations coming down, compared to other major rules issued by CFPB. Is this the way they've always operated, and is it any pattern that we can anticipate in the future?
2: This one's a little puzzling because the CFPB, remember the other kind of monster rule for loan originators was the ability to repay rule, and what happened in right. the course of that rule being issued David, and you remember this, they issued revised rule text and revised official commentary, I think, maybe five on five different occasions. And okay. really, it was as a result of, of, of industry feedback, and they have not done that with TRID. So there is a distinction. The, the, it's possible, and you, you, you hear this, is that the CFPB's rulemaking function, and there's a limited number of folk at the CFPB who are responsible for writing the rules, they may not be resourced to to take on further rulemaking under TRID, which is really what is needed, something binding. Because even though we work in the mortgage field, the uh, as as a lot of people know, regulates all the consumer financial verticals, and they're very busy on some other major rules for debt collection and and payday lending. So it could be a bandwidth issue at the Bureau that they're not undertaking a uh, a, a more formal approach.
0: That doesn't surprise me, bandwidth is an issue within there, even though they have certainly hired a lot of people and hired some mortgage professionals within the space. So we were hoping for that. I want to get into, I'm going to toss the mic to Joe here in a few minutes talking about Humda and get into some of that. But before we do, you advise a lot of the technology companies on TRID, and I would love to get your thoughts. Do you feel that our technology industry generally has got their heads wrapped around the TRID issues, or are we going to continue seeing a number of iterations out of the tech companies? And you you don't have to name any tech companies specifically, but I'm really interested in what your thoughts are and how you see the tech industry's response. Uh, What was what is and what we can anticipate.
2: Well, it was an enormous challenge. Whenever you have that many data fields that have to be validated and mapped and tested, you can bet that it'd be an enormous challenge. And also, as you mentioned earlier, the stakes are are high. Old RESPA did not give rise to lawsuit liability. New TRID does. And I think the uh, the tech companies have done a very good job given the challenge. I think what you're seeing is that the the tech companies and the tech providers LOSs and other uh, tech providers are responding to what we're hearing from the CFPB. The questions come up and we're, we're advising these companies with the best to the best of our knowledge, but I think you're going to continue to see adaptations as people learn more about how to implement TRID. So Tremendous, tremendous challenge. Uh, some of the vendors have been criticized, but I think everyone has to measure the accomplishments based on the the, the severity of the task, if you will.
0: Now, there's no question this was this was a significant mountain, and another one's coming up, and it has to do with Humda. Humba. So I'm going to toss the mic over to Joe. Joe, good to have you involved in this well, I discussion. I want to...
3: Thanks. I wanted to go back to the the discussion about guidance or lack thereof and in addition to lack of guidance, we're not seeing many things go to court and so you don't get answers out of the court. So where do people expect to get answers about questions in this area?
2: That's a good question because one of the issues, Joe, is even the Bureau has said there's there uh, with respect to several issues, there's more than one way to do it and comply with the law. There's more than one way to configure disclosures of figures and to check boxes on these forms. And so right now that's been the struggle because the professionals that you talk to may have a different approach and they both may be right at the same time. So I think Paul mentioned this. We're keeping an eye on this industry wide effort by by some of the Wall Street players and major originators to see what comes out of that and see if we can settle on some principles that will enable the secondary market to keep uh to keep moving forward and avoid the kind of illiquidity that we're seeing right now.
3: Yeah. All right, well, uh, going on to Humda, uh, you know, we've all just been through the implementation of TRID and we've got the implementation of the new Humda rules coming up now. How do you rate the complexity and, and, and you know, the issues associated with implementing the Humda rules as compared to TRID?
2: Well, the Humda rules what we're saying is son of TRID and therefore Structurally, it's going to be very much like TRID. The actual work that's going to have to be done is not as great because you're dealing with expanded data fields from loan-level data. And the, the technologists, the LOSs and others, and folks that we're working with are hard at work to have the solutions. But what is going to be required, which TRID obviously required, is adaptation to new technology because the old way of humda reporting on spreadsheets is not going to work anymore. So, particularly for independent mortgage bankers that may not have paid a lot of attention to humda to the technical aspects of humda reporting, we're going to have a new solutions roll out from from various providers in connection with the humda rule. You can you can bet on that. So, from that standpoint, lenders that are looking at their tech budget independent mortgage bankers looking at a tech budget for this year and next year, and also the personnel, uh, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water again uh, mm-hmm. for technology, you're going to have this hum to challenge. It's right around the corner.
3: And are generally all the LOS systems, uh, you know, are some further along than others or some, in your opinion, uh, a concern?
2: The the LOS is, again, having been through the TRID been through the TRID ringer are very aware, the LOSs that we're working with, and we work with several LOSs on TRID, and we're doing the same thing, LOSs and other um, service providers, and we're doing the same thing on Humda. So again, what we advise on uh, particularly independent mortgage bankers with respect to with respect to TRID is the same, which is stay in touch with your service provider. Understand who's going to be providing services to your company and make sure they're on top of it. Don't wait until Q3 of 17 to start asking questions. And I think it's appropriate as 16 moves along to understand what your service providers uh plans are, what your LOS providers plans. Some people use standalone solutions for Humda reporting. That dialogue should be starting more or less now. I, I think we all learn that lead time is everything when you're talking about a new uh a new tech uh based implementation. Back to you, Dave. You, all
0: right, yeah. When you look at the, this whole thing about the TRID and Humda readiness, I think it's interesting that you're expanding data fields. Expand a little bit on why this is probably going to be not as much of an issue and the contrast. When you say it's trid, the son of TRID, is it that the fields that are there are just needing to be treated differently. Uh I know I know you're an attorney, not a technologist, but if you could give us some insights into that, someone actually t- text texted me that question and we want then we want to get on to looking at what the CFPB is looking at here moving forward.
2: Well what what's going on with TRID is a – is a c or I'm sorry, with Humd is a couple of things. One is expansion by almost fourfold at least threefold, yes. of the data elements that have to be collected at the loan level and with respect to loan applications. So that's, that's number one. So instead of having a dozen fields, you now have 39 fields that have to be collected. Okay. Also, the formatting and input requirements that the Bureau is putting in place are different. So the technology interface that the Bureau is setting up is going to be different. And therefore, you've got the data gathering and formatting, and then you have the submission guidelines, which are all new. And this cries out for uh, a technology uh, a technology solution. I will tell you the big difference between the two from a risk standpoint is that there is no private right of action for failure to properly report Humda data. Uh, what you wind up point. with is the CFPB or the banking regulators, as the case may be, knocking on your door and in examinations and holding you to it. And therefore, you have that risk. And what can happen and what has happened with the CFPB already with HMDA reporting, if you don't get it right, they'll make you do it over again and resubmit. And I wouldn't wish that under the new rule. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, so to speak. So that's what's coming around the corner the risk profiles different and the actual amount the undertaking is going to be again better to say trid light I guess than the son of trid but it's still going to be out there and it's still going to be very important and it's going to cost money again it shouldn't slow down actual production of mortgages and actual liquidity the way that trid is done but nonetheless it's um it's still going to be be challenging and potentially expensive to implement hey Don, is, is it, go
3: ahead yes i was gonna gonna ask is is it likely to create a bunch of false positives uh, uh, or negatives whichever way you wanna look at it as to you know individual circumstances and potential uh fair lending questions. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's um, you're talking about the back end, which is what's going right. to happen to the data. And it, there's a couple of schools of thought on that right now. One school of thought is that oh, with all these with all this data and all these additional fields, you're going to be able to actually demonstrate that you're not discriminating. And there's another school of thought that says, no, this is simply going to serve up these so-called disparate impact cases to the to people like the CFPB and the federal government. I'm not not sure which way I come down on that. What we recommend and to me it's going to be somewhat of a lender by lender determination but what's going to need to happen and again more expense more effort but what's going to need to happen is that any mortgage lender of any size is going to want to Look at their data as it comes in, and maybe even run some test data sets to understand what the data shows about their company. And that was the case even under Humda. We always told folks, don't let the regulator uh, or the CFPB be the first line of review of your Humda data. You should be reviewing it, understanding it, and be prepared to, to talk about it prior to prior to a regulator knocking on your door
0: getting a lot of questions being emailed in here. Joe, did you have a follow-on to that question? I wanted No, to... no, that was I'll...
3: good.
0: Good, good. That's excellent spot. I'm getting two questions. One I think is from someone I know. I don't recognize the cell phone. If you want to text me, folks, your questions, text me to 512-632-2900. 512 632 Two nine zero zero five one two six three two two nine zero zero. I'm getting wanting to get the questions. Getting my own phone number out or wrong. So uh, two questions have been texted in. The first one is saying, Don, do you see this actually just squelching all innovation as it relates to technology? Is this the clients that you're working with? Are they just saying we're overwhelmed? Forget innovation. Are we stagnant in the area of innovation?
2: I think there's two kinds of of innovation that we're talking about. I think the innovate systems innovation which is something you work on all the time David is 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 actually accelerating and uh, the bureau is pushing with the trid rule they make no secret about it. The bureau and the other regulators are pushing uh this industry to be to to avail itself of more technology. They had that e-closing pilot for example. Right. So Innovation on the system side is 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 actually you could say is picking up steam. Product innovation is is what's suffering. Bringing different kinds of mortgage products to different populations, and this all gets back, in my opinion, to the piece of legislation that you guys may remember that didn't wind up in the Dodd-Frank Act, which was the plain vanilla mortgage. But what you had coming out of the Dodd-Frank Act was, you know, with all these legal landmines, the plain vanilla mortgage, the conforming mortgage, saleable Fannie Freddie, is the mortgage that's most readily available, and anyone that wants to get away from that safe space is going to have risk management issues. So from a product standpoint, yeah, I mean, I think Dodd-Frank has done, done um, a lot to tell you that don't think about offering alternative products to, particularly to different populations. That's, that's certainly, I, don't, I think that's a widely held view in the industry.
0: One, this, another, by the you're drawing in a lot of activity here. I, listeners, we're happy to get all of these on as best I can. I'll sort through and read them. Uh, one of them is a comment that seems like it's opening more for the plaintiff bar than anything else. I'm not sure there's a question in there, but would you agree, I guess, with that statement?
2: Yeah. Um, with respect to Hamda, and again, my remarks really have been focused on the operational challenge uh, of the reporting regulation, but your listeners are quite right to ask about, okay, we submit all this loan-level data, what happens then? And yeah, we we firmly believe that one of the purposes behind all this additional data is to provide further evidence, if you will, of discrimination in the marketplace, particularly this so-called disparate impact where where statistics alone, quote-unquote, can show discrimination. So there's no doubt about it that ultimately this Humda data can is going to be used by the plaintiff's bar and is going to be used by the regulators. The other thing that I see going on, and I may be way out in space on this one, but while we're on the subject, you know, if the government has all the Humda data and all the trid data and then other information that's available from these uniform loan data sets i'm wondering whether at some point in time the government the cfpb or another agency can come in and tell you how to underwrite your loan because there'll be enough information there for somebody who puts it all together on all of these systems to say to question why you underwrote a loan in a particular place, in a particular way for a particular borrower. That may be the frontier of of all this data collection, by the way, and it's not a happy thought. When you'd have regulators or plaintiff's lawyers come in and say, well, you know, you didn't underwrite this loan properly in terms of price and and availability, and God knows that would be a, a big headache for everybody.
0: You've answered some of the questions that are continuing, but they are rolling in here. It's really interesting to see as you're talking about this. One I want to get out real quickly, does the, in the mobile apps have unusual exposure, the Rocket Mortgage, the mobile apps, are there unique exposure as a result of that, or is that just lumped in with all the other technologies out there?
2: Well, what you're seeing in mobile apps or what's going on um, with Rocket Mortgage and a lot of other offers right now, and we spend a lot of time walking people through the, the disclosure requirements, and the folks we're working with are very, very careful on the compliance side that may be the question may be broader than that but the 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 name brand providers of these mobile apps know what they're doing and are getting it right from a disclosure standpoint and a customer experience standpoint it's an interesting philosophical question david when you talk about these 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 platforms that permit the millennials to get mortgages in minutes so to speak yeah. You know, policy questions come up there as to whether um, mortgages and minutes are always the best idea for all borrowers. That's something I'm not going to touch, but it's something yeah, that exactly right. it's, it's something that you're seeing as the technologists build in the efficiencies. People are saying, "Well, should a loan be as available on an app as ordering a pizza?" And I'm not. That's a philosophical or policy question that yeah. I can't. Yep. I can't really. Yep touch but I'll tell you and you see this in your industry these solutions are being offered not because people are sitting around saying wouldn't it be cool to have a mortgage app they're being created because it's what the millennials want and the millennials yeah. access products and services on their smartphone period and so um uh, th- this is coming from market conditions and market demand not from some theoretical desire to use technology
0: yeah, you know, There's so much good stuff here, and I want to get to a couple other points, and I want to get your perspective inside the Beltway. But first, where are the enforcement hotspots identified, uh, the, uh, the areas where there's escalated risk? Let's talk about CFPB using enforcement these days as a compliance tool to show uh, the market participants and how to comply. Comment about that. That was really interesting comments last week as it relates well, the big- to the Bartrae's interview.
2: Yeah, the big the big picture on this is that Director Cordray gave a speech to the Consumer Bankers Association in Washington a couple of weeks ago, and he suggested that he suggested that enforcement actually is a preferred method to provide guidance to the industry on compliance and risk management, and that rulemaking was was too narrow and uh, not responsive enough to changing conditions. Most people believe that he got it backwards, and there's been a lot of uh, smoke and fire about those remarks. But the, the, what you're going to hear about this year, the, the catchphrase is called regulation by enforcement. And you're going to hear a lot about this that this year because it's so controversial. And now the Bureau has come out and said, you know, that is the way we roll. And um, so, from a from that standpoint, it's something to keep an eye on, which means that those of us hoping for more clarification through rules, with respect to mortgage rules, are being told more or less that we need our compliance professionals need to be studying the enforcement cases instead of hope, hoping for for new rules.
0: We had already planned on discussing this, but two people have already texted me this next question. That is, where do you see the outcome of the 2000 presidential election as it relates to the future or changes possibly in the CFPB? You're inside the beltway. You probably have a unique perspective on this.
2: Well, indeed, but uh, I do not know who is going to be nominated and who's going to win, number one. But the elections, let me just talk quickly, big picture, about the elections impact. It's impossible to know who's going to get elected, right? And uh, right. if you watch if you watch the cable news channels every night, it becomes more and more impossible, I guess, to figure it out. But the, sure. the director of the CFPB right now has a five-year appointment. That's what it says. And his appointment does not end until the middle of the next, well into the next presidential term. And what the statute says is only the president can remove the director from office for cause. And so even if you have a new president that wants to shake things up, it's not as easy to change the leadership of the CFPB as you might think. I think it's more likely if we see some regime change – it's more likely that we'll, we'll see legislation that would reconstitute the Bureau as a commission rather than as a single director structure. Um, and that seems to me to be what what, what to keep an eye on in uh, in 17. Yeah, it's it's
0: very interesting, and your perspective inside the Beltway is just so much appreciated. Several people have uh, texted me saying, hey, get, make sure you get his contact information out, so let's tell our listeners how they can reach you, what's the best way, email and phone number.
2: Yeah, let me give a a couple. Number one, let me plug our website. We have a purpose-built website website for mortgage developments. It's www.mofomofi.com. That's M-O-F-O-M-O-F-I.com. My phone number is 202-887-1524. Email D-L-A-M-P-E at mofo, M-O-F-O dot com. And if you uh, go to Morrison & Forster's website, mofo.com, and look for Don Lamp, you can find me. Last name L-A-M-P-E.
0: Great, Don. Thank you so much for taking time to be here with us today. It's really good. We definitely want to have you back. There's a lot of information. I'll tell you, I've never seen so many questions coming in uh on a single broadcast like this, but really caught some people's attention. Looking forward to having you back. Have a great week and look forward to seeing you here soon. Uh as nothing else at the uh, Compliance Ease User Conference in Denver. Here's everyone Thank-, to show up
2: for that. Thank you so much, David. It's been a it's been a real pleasure. Look forward to seeing you soon. Looking forward to having you back. Thank you.
0: Next week we have Keith Pulaski joining us from Radius Financial Group. Very interesting thing that Keith has underway. We're going to talk about it. He's been gracious enough to come on and explain some of the things that they're doing. Very innovative and very exciting. Be sure to tune in next week if you want to hear what's going on with a leading company, with a leader in the industry. Keith Pulaski. Be sure to tune in. Folks, good to be with you. See you back here next week. Thank you so much for telling others about this program and you please check
1: with our sponsors. Thank you. This has been Lincoln on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host David Lincoln of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests we're Joe Farr from MBS Crowline, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Alvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week, and thank you for listening.